Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. Man, it is good to be with you guys today. I want to say again, welcome to Movement Church. Uh, if you're new here, my name is Bobby, and I'm glad you're here with us today. Um, if, if you are here in person, hello to everyone watching online, um, you notice that I made an art exhibit for you out front. Um, I call it 2020 and 2021. And I was going to set it on fire, but they wouldn't give me permission. Um, for those watching online, there's a big dumpster out front. They're doing construction on the school. Forgive everything. The walls are pushed in a little bit. There's stuff in the hallway. Uh, but they're putting down new flooring in a lot of this place. So anyway, it's, uh, it's a little bit of a, a mess out front, but that's a, a welcome sight to see a big dumpster in front of everything. But hey, God is good, and, and we're still able to be here, and I'm thankful we can be here. Um, uh, in 2019, October 5th, actually, to be exact, in Wilson, North Carolina, a guy by the name of David Adams chased down, apprehended, and arrested five men on felony drug charges, and one of them being a, su- a suspected murderer. This was just a, you know, a few miles down the road just a couple of years ago. Um, there was a big car chase. They had, someone had seen this guy. It was a suspected murderer. Got in his car with four other guys. Cops started chasing, and all of a sudden, uh, the lead car came and, and cut off the car, got him stopped, got him out of the car, and even got one of them handcuffed. The big problem with that is David Adams was not a police officer. I kid you not. This guy had a blacked out Ford Taurus. He even had blue lights in the dash and joined in on a police chase, a felony police chase, and actually made the stop in the arrest. I mean, they got mad that I'm like, good job. I wouldn't say go do that yourself, but this guy jumped out and, and um, all the cops were like a little bit stunned. They were like, okay, who, who is this guy? You know, he's like deep undercover, right, I guess. And uh, they, you know, tell him to stand down. Finally, they figure out that it's not, you know, he's not one of them. And he just takes off and leaves, but they did catch him. I don't know what happened to him. Uh, but anyway, it, it was crazy. And the reason I tell you that is because... It's easier than we think sometimes to fool people. Am I right? It's easier than we care to admit. And maybe actually we sort of enjoy the fact that it's easier to fool people. You can convince people if you've got the right attitude, if you've got the right level of confidence, you can convince them of almost anything. And people will believe, and they will believe it, they will believe it, they will believe it. Uh, was it Mark Twain that had the famous quote of that, you know, uh, a lie travels the whole around the world before the truth can get up and get its pants on in the morning? Is that right? And so if you say the right thing with confidence, it'll spread quickly. And if you just act like you've got the confidence, that's 90% of the battle, right? That's 90% of it. And that can be a good thing if you're trying to maybe instill confidence in, you know, people you work with or uh, your sports team or something like that, or your children when there's a tough situation going on. But the problem is most of us get pretty good at it and we don't know when to turn it off and when to turn it on. It's easy to become fake whether we intended to or not. And so as we're wrapping up this series way down deep, ingraining our values here at Movement, the last couple of values that we want to talk about are being authentic or authenticity and movement. 
We don't want to, to be fake. We want to be real. We want to be, we, one of the phrases that we use from time to time is a real church for real people. And in our, in our buzzwordy, catchphrasey society that we live in, that can sound kind of like, oh yeah, whatever. Every church says that. But that is part of our DNA. And one of the things that I have been the most proud of, there's been a lot of things that I've been giving thanks to God for, for this church family. But one of the things that I get the most joy out of hearing is that people will say, you guys are just an honest, real, loving bunch of people. I mean, that's a paraphrase, but I hear different versions of that over and over and over again. I'm like, that's what we want to be. We just want to rely on God, his truth, his word, and love people as well as we can and be real. I know for a fact that it is easy to go to church day in and day out and never let it affect you right here. And never let it affect how it comes out in your hands and your feet. And I will tell you this. Maybe I'm a little bit harsh. Maybe I'm a little bit blunt. But if I'm going to do that, there no, why am I going to do that? I'm just going to lay in bed. If it doesn't change your life, why waste your Sundays? Why waste any other day of the week? Why waste any other minute? I want to be a part of the kingdom of God that changes not just me, but this entire world. That's what I want. And I want to be authentic and real. But it is hard. Why? Because it's easy for us all to wear masks. Myself included. And every day, there's a mask that I want to put on. Some of them are just there, and I don't even realize I'm putting them on. And you're the same way. All of us as human beings are the same way. We struggle with wearing different masks. Being fake and also being unwilling to move spiritually go hand in hand. I'm not much of a scientist, but I do know a little bit about Newton's uh, first law of motion. I remember even as a young kid learning about inertia. You guys remember about inertia? I, I can barely do algebra anymore. Uh, I passed and you know, got good grades, but I can't do that. But I do remember the, the law of inertia. You know, a body at rest tends to stay at rest. A body in motion tends to stay in motion. You know, things that are sedentary, it's hard to get them going. It takes some extra force. And things that are moving, it takes a little extra force to stop. Well, that's true in, in nature. That's true in life. It's also true spiritually. It's hard when we are stuck and in a rut and in a place where we're just ugh, here. It's hard to get going. And the good news is, though, once we get going, you know, hopefully it takes a little bit to stop us. But it's hard to get going. We fight it physically. We fight it spiritually. Um, I, I've started to get back into exercising. Uh, I've lost a few pounds and I'm feeling better and I've got a little bit more energy. But it's still hard to get going to exercise. How, how many of you can relate to that? You know, it's like you've got all the best intentions. Um, you know, you've got the gym membership. You know, you've got the treadmill, which is an awesome clothes drying rack, too, by the way. Right. You, you download that. Um, it, you've got it right there. You want to do it and go in that first time or that first time of the week or the first time in a couple of weeks is so hard. But what happens once you go one time? It's a little bit easier to go the second time. And then once you go the second time, it's a whole lot easier to go the third time because you see and you feel the benefits. But it's hard to get going. And the same thing is true spiritually. You know, throughout time immortal, we've struggled as a people, as human beings, with that spiritual inertia. We struggle with fakeness and we struggle with standing still in our relationship with God. You ever heard about the Pharisees from Scripture? And they kind of predate the New Testament as well. 
They were the ultimate mask wearers. They were religious lawyers is a good way to describe what a Pharisee was. They were law keepers. And in, in, in essence, in reality, they weren't necessarily that bad. But like anything, we can quickly go downhill and degrade from what we're supposed to be. And they, the, Jesus had a name that he liked to call them. And, you know, we talked about over this past few weeks that Jesus was pretty blunt. And a lot of times we misunderstand what real love is and how, you know, sometimes you have to kind of get bold and blunt with people so that they kind of wake up and they hear the message. And Jesus would call these guys a name that we would not think of as being very nice. Remember what it was? Hypocrite. He called them hypocrites. And there's a particular passage in Matthew chapter 23 where Jesus just really lays it on thick. I mean, hypocrite is every other word, it seems like, in this time when he's talking to these guys. Because they were the religious leaders. They were supposed to be pointing people to God, but really they were just pointing everybody to them. And so he calls them hypocrites, hypocrites, hypocrites. Now, it was, it was offensive to them. It was, it's offensive to us. If somebody calls you a hypocrite, you get a little bit riled up, right? You know, who are you to call, who are you to call me a hypocrite? You know, everybody gets that? Everybody get that going on? You ready to fight? You know, you know take your shirt off ready? Okay. Now, it was especially offensive to a Pharisee, a good Jewish Pharisee, because a hypocrite, the word actually comes from the Greek tragedy and play actors. And so they would have a few actors that would put on a particular play. And so they would only have like, say, four actors, but they might have 10 roles. Well, then the actors wore masks to signify the part that they were playing. So they play one part, then they take that off. They put another mask on to play that part. And so literally what he was saying was you were, are a bunch of play actors. All right. Now that's a slap in the face as it is because they knew where he was going with that. You know, you're, you're supposed to be loving God and leading people to God, but you're just a play actor. But then another little dig was this. He was calling them a Greek play actor. And to any good Jewish person, that was a slap in the face to be associated with anything Greek. So Jesus was doubling down. He's saying, you bunch of fake hypocrites, you play actors, you're playing the role, but you're not who you say you are. And so that, that's how we relate to it. But that's the depth of what he's saying. He's saying they were known for thinking that they had arrived spiritually and that they didn't need to keep moving closer to God. And that's what we struggle with. You know, after you go to church for a little bit, maybe for a few months, a few years, it's easy to get stuck in a rut in a place. You're like, we've reached a certain level of spirituality. And it might not even be a lot of pride. It's just like, well, I'm pretty good. Look at how I used to be. I'm a lot better. I, I like this little level right here. There's not too much that's asked of me. I'm good. I'm okay. That's all right. And Pharisees struggle with that problem is it led them to become spiritual frauds and you and I can struggle with that we can become spiritual frauds where there's nothing on the inside there's just a show on the outside listen to this feel-good story of the year from Matthew 21 that Jesus starts in verse 1 Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples the scribes and the Pharisees who sit on Moses' seat so do and observe whatever they tell you but not the works they do, for they preach, but do not practice. Jesus says this. He says, look at them, you know, listen to what they say, because what they say is good, but what they do is totally different. They, pra they preach, but they do not practice. Then skip down to verse 27. 
He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. We skipped over a whole lot of hypocrites. I mean, he said it over and over and over and over again, but I, I wanted to get to this one sort of culminating thing. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others. But within, you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. It's not a great description for a religious leader, is it? But if we're being honest, probably all of us could have had that used as a description for us sometimes. It's easy to make yourself look good on the outside because, uh, let's, let's think about it for a second. You want to do the right things, but life happens, Right? You know, you go through your week and one decision, one bad decision leads to another. One time not spending some time in God's word leads to another time. And one bad choice leads to another choice. And pretty quickly, you've gone down a path, myself included, that you wish you had never gone. But then you're like, well, I, I need to go and be with my church family. So I go back and everybody's like, how are you doing? And like all human beings say, good. And about 80% of the time, that's not always true, is it? But you just say, good, because you're thinking, oh, they don't want to hear. You know, they don't understand. They wouldn't understand. And then you tell that little white lie, so to speak, for a few times. And all the while, you're still heading off of the path and you're going down that wrong path. And so every time you feel a little more guilty, you feel a little more shame. And so the next time that you come and they say, well, how are you doing? They're so judgmental. That's what you think. They would never understand. It's not that they wouldn't understand. They would hate me and they would turn their back on me. And all these little lies are going through your brain until eventually the alarm goes off and you're like, I'm not going. There's a bunch of hypocrites. It's a tale as old as time. We all struggle with it and it can happen to us in the blink of an eye. They look one way on the outside, the inside was totally different and that's not in a good way. We all struggle with wearing masks. But I want us to understand, not all masks come from a motive of deception. You know, when we put on masks, it's not always to be deceptive and to be dishonest and to be, you know, to fool people and to fake people out. Oftentimes our masks come from a place of protection. You know, we put on masks to protect ourselves like that first time when we just had a rough week and we made some bad choices. We're not really way off down in the gutter, so to speak, yet, but we're just like, I, I just I'm hurt. I'm wounded. I know I was stupid. I knew I shouldn't have done those things. And so you put on this smiling face. I'm OK. Or life just hits you. It wasn't sin that you committed, but it's just life stinks right now. And you just I can't tell anybody. I don't want to burden them with my problems. And I'm good. You put on a mask of protection. And there are endless types of masks. There are masks that you put on to say, I'm strong. I've got this. I don't need any help. I don't need anybody. I'm strong. I can do it by myself. And then you put on masks sometimes that say, I've got it all together. I have never sinned once in my life. We wouldn't say that, but that's the persona that we want to portray. I used to sin like these peasants. <laughs> There's a lot of churches like that. And we in our church can get caught up in that if we're not careful. 
I thank God that I'm not like these sinners. Hmm, smelly sinners. You've all encountered people like that, right? And those people push people away from Jesus quicker than anybody in the world. But we put these on sometimes as a thing of protection, sometimes because we feel guilty, sometimes because we want to be strong, we want to have it all together. Sometimes we put on a mask of a victim. And this is weird because none of us would say, you know, we'd want to say, oh, I'm putting a strong mask on. I'm not a victim. But what we end up putting on is the mask of a victim. And we begin to believe that that's our identity. Because we feel like everybody's going to have to hurt us and nobody's going to help us. Sometimes we put on a mask of being bulletproof. Nothing's going to stick to me. Nothing is going to hurt me. They hurt me one time. They're never going to do it again. I am bulletproof. Nobody can stop me. Put on a happy mask. Oh yeah, I'm good. I'm great. But on the inside, we're dying. Sometimes we put on a mask of being aloof. I just don't care. And then all the while, you care more than anybody else in the room. And you just wish somebody would reach out and find out how you're doing, but you don't want anybody to think you care. We're independent. Or sometimes, get this one. This is a tricky one. Sometimes we put on the mask of a servant. This is an easy church mask to put on. I, I'm going to serve and I'm going to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything that, that is expected of me, expected of me, and all the while you hate it. Does that really do you any good or any other people any good? You know? I mean, if, if you're serving but you don't... I mean, now, there's times we all don't feel like doing stuff. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. But if you just resent the fact that you're serving other people, even at home or at church or out in the world, and all the while you're like, oh, I hate these people. You know? If you do that, it's like it's, it's just a mask that you put on to hide yourself and who you really are. And the real danger is when we wear these masks long enough, we forget which is the mask and which is the real us. That's the real danger. The two meld into one or the three meld into one and we lose our true authentic identity. We forget who we really are. And when we lose our identity, we get stuck or worse, we wander. When we lose our identity, we get stuck or worse, we wander. We wander far from God we, or we get stuck where we were and we never grow. We never move forward. We never keep moving. We search then in all the wrong places for our identity. There was an old song, um, uh, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. In my generation, I grew up watching uh, Saturday Night Live as a kid back when it was actually funny. And Eddie Murphy used to be on there, and he did the role of Buckwheat, and he was singing Buckwheat's greatest hits. And to this day, I cannot hear Looking for Love without hearing Buckwheat sing it, Looking for Nub in all the long paces. That's, that's just, man, y'all don't think that's funny? Eddie Murphy was hilarious as Buckwheat. But that's, I can't help it. But you go looking for love, and you go looking for identity in all the wrong places. Here's the problem. There are endless people, places, and perspectives that will promise you identity. They'll promise you. That they'll tell you who you are and who you need to be. There are countless people that will do that. And the problem is, the dangerous, deadly thing is, is they will always leave you empty, unfulfilled, and feeling unknown. 
You'll look in the mirror and you won't recognize yourself and your family and your friends won't recognize you because you've tried to find your identity in somebody else, in some other thing, in some other place, in some other ideology. And you will not know who you are worse than before. And when we've never known our identity, we've forgotten and we've lost our identity. We hurt ourselves and we hurt other people. Because a person who doesn't know themselves is a dangerous person because they're always angry. They're always hurt. They're always looking for a way to protect themselves. It becomes all about me, 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 because they don't even know who they are. And here's the truth. And I think you know where we're going with this. Our identity is only found in Christ. Our identity can only be found in Christ. And you and I have to make sure we wrap our brains around that. It's in him that we are ultimately see our authentic selves and move closer to God. Only in Jesus can we do that. In Colossians chapter 3, God inspired the Apostle Paul to write in verse 1. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. I share that passage of scripture because I think that speaks completely to our identity. Sometimes when we decide to follow Jesus, we start to think, man, if I just live like it says Jesus wants me to live, then that means I'm going to be invisible. That means that people are going to walk all over me, and that means I'm going to have to turn the other cheek all these times, and I just don't know if I can go through life without people recognizing what I'm doing. Sometimes the more you serve people, the more they take advantage of you. And all these things go through our minds. But what Paul says, what God is telling Paul to say here through the Holy Spirit is that you and I, we need to understand that who we are when we're in Christ, right now it's hidden to everybody else because they just look and they just see this, you know. But when Jesus comes back, it will be clear who you are and who you belong to. And you will appear with him in glory at that point. And it won't matter what people overlooked or it won't matter what people said or what people called you. You will be clear that you belong to Jesus. And it would be far better than anything this world saw. So when Jesus returns, you'll trade sacrifice for glory. But until then, make sure that Jesus inside you wins the fight over the old you. Because this outward stuff that everybody sees, that, that sinful flesh that you still struggle with until Jesus comes and, you know, he changed the inside, but the outside still got to catch up. And so you struggle. And when it goes on in verse 5, it says in, that Paul writes here, put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality. That, that's a Greek word, pornea, that, you know, where the word porn comes from. It, it's a word that covers every type of sexual sin, every type of sexual sin. He says, get rid of this. He says, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, wanting what other people have, which is idolatry, he says. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. And there's another list. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is in all and 
excuse me, is all and in all. So what he's saying is, is the inside's been changed and one day everybody will see, but you got to make sure that what's left is continuing to try to change. Put that old stuff to death because that old stuff wants to come back all the time and take over the Jesus part. And you've got to put that stuff away. It goes from the big, the biggie sins that we think about the whole way down to the little lies that we think aren't that bad. Get rid of all of it, it says, every day. Kill that stuff. You put on the new person. Stop trying to put on the old person. Stop trying to put on the old mask. You've got the new identity of Jesus. Take that old mask off. Because the old is dying. And the new identity is life. But you can't simply get rid of the old. You have to put on the new. It's not enough to just get rid of some of the sins that you used to struggle with. It's putting on the new. And here's where God gets really specific. Look at verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You notice what pretty much all of these things involve? They pretty much all involve human interaction. Here's the problem. A lot of times when it comes to our faith and our relationship with Jesus, we want it to be personal. Uh, many years ago, people introduced the concept of, I want Jesus to be my personal Lord and Savior. That sounds all great and righteous, but it's not biblical. Yes, he died for each and every one of us, but he died for the church. And your faith is not personal. Yes, your faith is yours, but it is not to be private. You understand what I'm saying? To say that we can have a private faith is antithetical to everything in Scripture. That we don't tell people about our faith, that we don't live our faith, that we don't show our faith. That's completely against what God has taught us. And He is telling us all these things. The things, the good things you put on are almost all human interactions. How you treat one another, how you love one another, how you forgive one another is a complete part of your faith. And how you put on that new that new identity, that's how you really truly do it, how you treat other people. But some of us have been going to church for quite some time now, and if we're being honest, we never really feel at peace. Something's always missing. And I have to ask you, have you ever truly gone all in? Have you ever truly gone all in? If you feel like something's missing, even though you've been a part of a church for a while and you feel like something's missing and you feel like you don't have peace, have you ever truly gone all in? I'm not saying your life's going to get perfect then, but here's what he says next in verse 15. Everybody, everybody tune in. He says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. That peace, that elusive peace that we can never seem to find. If you've been a part of a church fellowship for a while now and you just don't feel it, you're like, I don't see what they're getting out of it. I'm just not getting that out of it. Have you gone all in? Have you truly been a part of the body? 
He says the peace comes with connection with the body. And be thankful, he says. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. What he's saying is, is we encourage and teach one another. And you might say, I can't teach anybody. You can teach somebody something. You can teach somebody just, I'm not quitting because you're here. And when they want to quit, they're like, well, she's there. He's there. They haven't given up. I'm going to keep going. All of us can teach God's word to one another in small ways and in big ways. And we worship together and we remind people of God's goodness and we encourage and inspire and fire one another up. And he goes on in verse 17. He says, and whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything we do, we need to do together with the body of Christ as much as possible. So the truth that we have to understand is this, is that we never experience the depth and richness of our identity in Christ alone. We never will. We never will experience the depth and the richness of our identity in Christ alone. We get deeper as we encourage and teach each other and as we grow and as we worship together. We can find peace when we're letting others, here's the thing, see behind the mask. That's when we truly get peace. Flaws and all. And as we move closer to God together. You see, that's why we talk about being authentic and real and moving closer to God. Because as we spend time together as the family of Christ, this life is hard, y'all. And it takes a lot more encouragement than just an hour a week. We need each other, and this world needs us to stay focused, to stay strong, and to build one another up because there's a lot of people throwing arrows at us. There's a lot of people throwing stones, and if you don't have your family to help pick you up when you're struggling, then you will fall, and when you fall, you will stay down. You can find peace when we let other people see behind the mask, and the full realization of our identity in Christ comes in the church when you truly begin to understand. But do we reach a point of maturity where we can just relax? What does God say again through Paul in the letter to Philippians? Philippians 3, verse 7, it says, but whatever gain I had, I count as the loss for the sake of Christ. What he's done is he's just gone and said all these good things that he could brag about. If you want to stack up and say who's closer to God by what they've done, here's my list. And he says, but... I've, what I've had is a gain. I count it as a loss for the sake of Christ. Look at verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He said, I don't want any of it. The good, the bad, the ugly. I just want Jesus. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him. Everybody listen to this. I know there's a lot of reading, but I want you all to hear it. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. You see, Paul, and I hope we want a faith that raises the dead. And kills the old body and brings the new body back to life. That's what we want. And that's what Paul's saying he wants. And you and I have to find that. We have to seek after that. 
We can't really rely on our good deeds. We can't be held back by our bad deeds. You hear that? You can't count your righteousness by your good deeds that you did. God didn't love you anymore. But you also can't be held away from him because of your bad deeds. And so many people don't come to Jesus because of what they've done in the past, bad things, and they think there's no way he can forgive me. Rubbish. I'll tell you another time what that word means there. But it's rubbish. And he says, I forget it all, and I want to know Jesus. So what he wants us to understand is to chase after Jesus. The only thing that matters is being known by Jesus and knowing Jesus. Verse 12. Come on, stick with me here. Not that I have already obtained this or am already made perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. You hear that? Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Can I sum it up like this? When you stumble and you fall, get up. I didn't say if you stumble and fall. I said when. When you stumble and fall, get up. Don't wallow. Don't wallow in your mud pit. And we tend to wallow, don't we? But guess what? Even if you wallow, even if you wallow, you don't say, oh, I can't go back to them. They're a bunch of hypocrites. They'll just judge me. They're going to hate me. They'll never love me. Get up out of the pit. Reach up for a hand so somebody can pull you up and let them know, yeah, I'm struggling, but I need my family. When you realize you're in the pig slop and you're eating the pig slop, Get up and run to Jesus. Forget about the past and keep moving towards Jesus. I don't know who needs to especially hear this today, but I know there are many of us in here who need. When you fall, when you stumble, get up and run to Jesus. Run to his church body. Run to his family. Forget about the past and keep moving. Here's the kicker. In case you've forgotten can't do it alone. Look at verse 17. He said, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us, to the apostles, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. See, you have to move with other people if you're going to keep moving. He said, look at my example. Look at the examples of other people who've been faithful. Find people who you can follow their example. Why? Because you will get stuck and you will not know where to go. But you look at people who are a step ahead or two steps ahead or ten steps ahead. And the people that are walking along beside you that haven't stumbled quite yet or haven't stumbled today or haven't stumbled this week. But you keep looking at faithful people because the problem is, is what we tend to do is we look at people who are doing it worse than us. He said, many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. He says, but their God is their stomach and their destiny is destruction. He said, walk after people who are heading in the right direction. Not everybody is moving in the same direction as you. Imitate faithful people and keep moving forward together. Look what he says in verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven. We're not set on destruction. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our 
lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to be subject all things or subject all things to himself. Do you notice a parallel there? Just like in Colossians, who you really are will be revealed one day. You don't have to try to remind people. You just have to live like Jesus and show them it will be revealed who you are when Jesus comes back. He'll transform the outside to look like the inside. And it'll be made new. The goal here is this. Everybody lean back in. The goal, the goal is to live in such a way to show the inside to others until Jesus makes a match. That's why you put to death that other stuff and you put on that new stuff so that the inside leaks out a lot more than it used to. And every day, if you keep focusing and chasing after him, the inside will leak out more until the outside matches and that ultimate mask will be revealed and you will be seen for who you truly are. You see, movement only happens when we are authentic and authenticity happens best when we're moving closer to God. They go hand in glove. And both of those happen best in community and connection with other people. You cannot do it alone. So are you connected? Are you truly connected? Are you really moving closer to Jesus in community with others? It's time to go all in. Last week we talked about it and we're talking about it again today and on every other seat or so there's one of these cards and if you didn't get one, you want one, you can grab one from somewhere. There's some up here on the stage, but this is a card we're asking who's all in. We believe that God has a great mission in store and a great vision for reaching lost people in this community and we need as many people as can be all in. And this sheet has some different options. It's got a place for your name, your email, your phone number. And then if you know, hey, I'm all in, like we talked about last week, then you check that box. If you're not quite sure if you're all in, you say, here's one, a step, a move I'm ready to take. And you can look at those. I want to join a connect group. I want to serve. I want to know more about baptism. I want to start giving financially. I want to do the discipleship study. I don't know where to start. Help me. We've got something for everybody. But we want to give you an opportunity to spend a couple of moments today deciding, are you all in? And if you're not today, that's okay. But for some of you, you've been ready and you need to make that jump and be all in and today's your day. Or maybe you're just going to take the first step, the first move to being all in one day. But where are you? And if you want to remind yourself of what a mission partner is, you can scan that little QR code. But I want you to think about it. I want you to pray about it for a few moments. Are you all in? If you've been holding back, it's time to let go and just be all in. It's time to remove the masks and join people who will help you when you fall. People who you can rely on and who can rely on you to move closer to God together. So what's your next move? Are you all in? Or maybe it's like, I need to understand a little bit more God's word. I need to go through discipleship or... I need to get involved with some people throughout my week in a connect group or I need to begin my walk with Christ. I need to be baptized. I need to join in a serve team to help serve other people or it's just I'm going to go all in. So when we take the masks off and we're real with God, 
when we're real with ourselves, when we're real with others, that's when we really move closer to God. So we want to allow a few moments for you to take a couple moments and pray and ask God to help you. God, where am I at on this journey? Here's something I want you to hear. If you've told us that you were all in six months ago or four years ago when we first got started, we still want you, we want you to say, hey, I'm all in still. We still want you to fill one out. We don't want to assume anything about anybody because we believe that God has a mission and a vision for us to accomplish and we want to keep moving forward together when we stumble and fall we're there to pick one another up and sometimes we're just there to carry one another but today I want you to decide where are you on this journey are you all in today not what's your next one take a few moments fill out those moments when you're done, you can leave them at the welcome table after we leave today. But it's time to decide. Are you ready to be real? Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.